Welcome to the Denver United podcast series on leadership in every season. Our hope is to equip you to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus in our city. Hello, Denver United, and welcome to another episode of our podcast series, Leadership in Every Season. You know, this time is unprecedented in most all of our lifetimes, and it's led to uh, a, a, a devolution in the public discourse. I mean, the, the conversation around the water cooler is always contentious, but never in my lifetime has it been more frothed and rancorous and, and, and crazy, and never has the mandate and the opportunity for God's people to be bringers of truth and hope into the public square uh, been more present, more immediate. We all have a calling as Jesus representatives to lead in this and every season. And so the aim of this podcast is to equip us. Um, And in doing that, we're hearing from some of the leaders in our community, some of the extended family to Denver United. My guest today is Jeff Hainan. Jeff is executive director of Denver Institute for Faith and Work, a friend to Denver United, um, a pillar in the Christian community in our city, and a friend of mine as well. Jeff, welcome. Thanks, Rob. So glad to have you with us. So grateful for your work for Denver Institute's enduring partnership in the work of the gospel and equipping of our congregation uh, to do the holy, um, the sacred work of vocation. Uh, the way that you think and are teaching God's people to think is has been so influential. And I want our congregation to know in the way that I understand calling and work and the way that we talk about it at Denver United. You're a true Denver United hero. So glad to have you with us today. I want to talk about our work. Our work is... Um, changing in so many ways and there are a number of directions to go but i want to unpack some of the nuances and and challenges and opportunities with our professional lives in the season in which we find ourselves and the first idea that i wanted to throw to you jeff and, and and ask you to unpack a little bit for us is this notion that I think it might have been an Atlantic article. It might have been New Yorker. It was, uh, gosh, right at the beginning, maybe the end of March, that um, identified our crisis as a white collar quarantine and talked about the bifurcation of the work world, the luxury in a sense that um, professional class workers have of complaining about having to work in isolation or having to navigate their um, their crying children while doing their jobs. Meanwhile, the, the blue collar, the trades and, and um, working class vocations, we're experiencing a very different set of new realities. And, uh, and so there, was, there were two uh, parallel and, and, and diverging over time experiences of this crisis in the realm of vocation. How do you see that? Yeah, that's a good question. There's definitely, depending on what seat you sit in, Rob, you're going to see this pandemic really differently. I mean, I am one of those white collar people. I came home, I'm working on a computer, I'm with my family, and I've been relatively safe, right? Not a lot of people, though, have experienced that. Uh, We have to recognize that other members of the body of Christ that are either in what we've now called essential jobs, right, that are still working every single day. And a lot of those are what we might consider, you know, working class jobs. And then also a lot of people, though, that didn't have as much power as I do and that have lost their work and, and don't have work. Now we're pushing over 30 million unemployment applications 
uh, in our culture today. And so I think we do need to be sensitive uh, to the different differing experiences of people's work, yet holding a couple of different truths um, uh, together. One is that we're all made in the image of a maker and we have important work to do. And each of our work is fraught with pain uh, and suffering in some ways or another. So sometimes this is medical and health in a pandemic, right? We've seen this and some people are more exposed, exposed to that. Um, some people have lost their work and there's pain, there's Genesis 3, there's the thorns and thistles in that. But I think something that a lot of people are experiencing is the pain of isolation and uncertainty and anxiety, kind of the inner gut of I don't know what's coming and I didn't have the same uh, support system around me as I did before. Even as we talk about Denver United, right? Uh, it's weird to not be with uh, 500, 1,000 people on a Sunday and to see God's people. We can interact with people on computers or on phones, but there's something incarnated about our lives that we need people. So we are experiencing the pandemic different, differently. And I think the church can actually, you just, you mentioned this idea of a very frothy or rancorous uh, uh, conversation right now. The church can hold together people's diverse experiences of this and white collar, blue collar, and say, we can listen to, un- listen to each other, understand each other, uh, and find ways to support each other as well. Jeff, my observation has been that in times of crisis, empathy is among the first things to get thrown overboard. We narrow our focus, sometimes by necessity, other times out of fear, and see ourselves and scarce little else. The conversation is enriched at the beginning simply by understanding what others are experiencing. And it's occurred to me, pastoring a church called Denver United, aiming to... to bring together rich and poor, brown and white, urban, suburban, married, single, young, old, Republican, Democrat, you know, Highlands and Highlands Ranch, cool and uncool, whatever spectrum that bifurcates society in your observation. Uh, but that is a, is sort of, sort of to be a glutton for punishment. Because what I've found is that on any continuum you, you apply to society, one side tends to see the, and, and articulate passionately the reality of its plight, but perhaps um, suffers from, from lesser awareness of the other side. And so describing both of, of those or, or, or both of those realities and then the, um, the variations uh, that shoot out from them uh, paints in stark colors the the opportunity we have, but really the responsibility as Christ's followers simply to empathize, to understand that our experience is valid, but it's far from the only experience that's happening in this crisis. What are some of the stories that you're hearing? Maybe an anecdote that puts um, the challenge on one end or or another uh, of the experience spectrum of this crisis into perspective. Yeah, that is a good word. We are experiencing this, you know, really differently, Rob, depending on where we're at, you know, whether we're, as you said, Highlands or Highlands Rants or black or brown uh, or white. Uh, and I think the first thing we need to do, I've been actually very surprised at the, the vast diversity of opinions about this pandemic in the body of Christ. You have actually I have several friends that have done these two by two graphs uh, of people that are, you know, highly cautious and others, people that are throw throw caution to the wind. And and then everybody, most people are somewhere in between as well. You know, I think a word is you think about knowing God. We have to know God to be able to love him. I think we have to know people. 
to love them as well. Uh, we really have to start conversations with uh, what are you thinking? How are you doing? And how are you feeling today? Particularly people that may have a pretty different go of it than we do right now. Uh, I am young, uh, 37 and healthy. Uh, when I talk to though people in my mom's generation that are late 60s and early 70s, the health effects of COVID are foremost in their mind. And I'm thinking about the economic effects, right? Not only for the organization I lead, but also for all the people that I see either letting go employees in sort of my network or um, people that have lost their jobs as well. So as I, you know, I think about this, I think showing up and to say, how are you doing and actually caring and listening and starting at that point allows us to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves, right? We are caring for ourselves in this time too, but to start, uh, to not only empathize, but then to move in to say, how can I work for another's good? I think we actually have to listen to these stories well. And I think those, as much as we can, those have to be phone calls and not social media. <laughs> social media is not, I don't think, the best, the best way to do meaningful communication where we're trying to know and understand and love others. Mm. Yes, if, if there's anything that um, adds to the froth, I would say it's social media. Um, these You alluded to the politicization of the differing experiences. I've found that listening to one of the news channels, uh, evening talk shows, of which um, I can... Um, I can take very little, personally. Uh, I find that neither is patently wrong in my observation or my judgment. It's just that they're making two different points. They're, they're having two conversations uh, and they're having the conversation that's meaningful each to him or her. Uh, and the, the, the work of Jesus is understanding the conversation that's meaningful to the other. And that, thanks for that, that um, prudential and, and really pastoral admonition. That's such an important and I think primary uh, angle on our work. Jeff, one of the things that um, we hold dear that I know uh, is, is central to your values and your work is the sanctity of our work, that um, there is no sacred and secular. There is only the kingdom of God and the kingdom waiting to happen. Jesus, scripture says, fills all things everywhere with himself through us, his people. We make kingdom when we do whatever our hands find to do kingdomly, if you will. And, and I, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I say this by way of asking you uh, a particular and, and really tender question. Since you're, you're already in this pastoral space with us, um, let's, get, let's get personal and real. For many in our congregation, they have found themselves over the last several years or months believing that their work is sacred, that their work is valuable, that, that their value is beyond just earning money and, and giving it to missions. That they are the mission. Uh, th this has become a part of their faith experience and their understanding of their identity as daughters and sons of God, redeemed in Christ and reforming all things as, uh, as he works through them. Then, for many, that's taken away. And it has the opposite effect. How do we experience that loss or that shift, you know, from, from being a full-time central player to being a furloughed part-time um, worker on the margins that the company's trying not to let go entirely or to being unemployed? Uh, 
when we've come to understand that our identity involves our work and then we experience this sort of loss, where, where do we go from there? Yeah, it's such a good question. So many of us ha have experienced some really drastic changes. People that have been furloughed, that have lost their work. Um, it's one thing to say, apply your faith to your work, but what about when you're not working? What about when you can't work or do anything that you wanted to do, right? These are key, key questions. Let me, let me briefly say three things actually to that. First, you touched on it. Our Christian identity does not derive from our work. It derives on Christ's finished work on the cross. So that, that is unchanging. Our worth is unchanging. Our dignity is unchanging. Um, no matter if we have been in a disgraced, humiliated, because when you're let go, it's easy to feel like you've done something deeply wrong, even when it's quite obvious that this happened outside of you. This was the culture. This was the pandemic, right? But it's easy to personally feel like I am less than, and then the sort of nosedive. Uh, but we need to we need to really close our eyes and think Christ knows me, loves me, and has and my my identity is is unchanging. I think that is a really important foundation for the second thing I want to say. That as we think then about okay, I need to maybe think about some other kind of work or I need to think maybe about a pause for a season or I need to think maybe about a, a type of work that I would have never thought meaningful or interesting. And now I'm kind of forced to do that. How do I understand that? I think Christian conversations around vocation for too long have meant my, my preference, what I want, what I want to do. Oldest vision of Christian vocation was responding to God's voice. Voice, you can hear that, right? God's voice in all areas of life, in whatever circumstances you are in. So if that's true and we're called to love God and love neighbor in any circumstances, I think that needs to give us a, a vision for there are lots of different kinds of work that can be received by the Father as an act of worship, as well as that can benefit our neighbors. So if you're furloughed for a while, for instance, it potentially could be home repair for a while. It could be a time of season with rest it could be you moved from white collar job to you're now in manufacturing and you are in something that you have never thought and it's destabilizing to you but god potentially can open up our eyes to say wow there are people here there is something that i can do in service and love of my neighbor here and and that sort of crush of identity oh but that's not me that's not what i had a degree in or a background in right again if you found that identity in what jesus has already done it allows you to replant in kind of this rich soil that can then push out into our community. Um, Jeff, can I, I jump in before you get to the third point? I want to comment on that. That's such sure. a powerful, insightful, and important idea. You articulated it so well. I just want to underscore it and, and, um, and reflect on it for a moment. Yeah, yeah. I think this is an area where we see postmodern thought infiltrating the kingdom and twisting it in a way that would be good and sounds good and is if you squint looks like jesus but is a little off and it's because it has more to do with me and what makes me happy finding my personal fulfillment chasing my dreams and a thousand other pithy instagram uh slogans right and so if i found that as you pointed out and then lost it I i've lost something endemic to myself but i love how scripture teaches whatever you do Work at it with all of your heart. This from the guy who was who was making travel gear to support his 
in most people's eyes, idealistic and foolhardy crusade. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you're doing it for Jesus. You know, Bill Gates, do you remember, do you remember Bill Gates' last word and then I'll kick it back to you? Um, do you remember his, his book, The Road Ahead? Bill Gates said, uh, flipping burgers is not beneath your, is not, uh, sorry, flipping burgers is uh, not beneath you. Your grandparents had another word for flipping burgers. They called it opportunity. And I think that there is something uh, of a reduction to basic truths that a time like we're experiencing uh, invites us to. And that's so important and so good. And I would say, uh, even on that, whatever you do work with all your heart, the context of that is Paul is writing to slaves in a pagan marketplace. He is actually talking to people that are and slavery. You have to think back then it's more like indentured servitude, right? Wow. But nonetheless, nonetheless, but this is not, this is not my dream job, right? <laughs> right. This is, and so whatever you're at, and he has these really hard words of saying, you need like obey your master. And again, we have to think about that of thinking, this is not my ideal circumstance. I may have to work for another seven years before I can sort of pay off my route in this indentured right. servitude. So when you think about that, what it what the biblical teaching work does is something amazing. People that don't have power, especially cultural power, it lifts them up. It gives them dignity. You were made in the image of a maker, right? And then on the other end of that, those that do have power, right, it actually implicates them in reforming broken systems. And so you, you take a look at Paul and Onesimus, right? Well, well, Philemon had power, and Paul is saying, you know, Onesimus, he now is your your brother. He is your brother in Christ. So he raised up this person who was a runaway slave and the boss in that circumstance had to see, wow, this person is my brother too. And so I say that because as we mentioned this and there's a lot of displacement, it lifts up sort of our day-to-day -day work because we are made in the image of a maker, right? And it also says to those that are business owners and maybe employing the burger flippers, what's a good job? Are we caring for people? Are wages sufficient? Is there health care? Are there benefits? Is this blessing our community or is this not? I really think it's a really powerful thing for the biblical narrative. It sort of raises the humbles and humbles the proud. Mm. <laughs> it's, an it's an amazing thing that our world needs a lot. And I think a lot of the anger in our culture between what we talked about earlier is people feeling disrespected or not understood. Uh, and here the biblical narrative gives everybody this sort of intrinsic value. Wow. Wow, that's incredibly insightful and encouraging. You know, the, the, perhaps the shrillest way that some are experiencing this crisis is um, a total loss, right? A catastrophic loss. Not only my work, but my dream. We've talked uh, to a couple of entrepreneurs over the last month who um, were part of the entrepreneur class of 2019. You know, they, they did what we entrepreneurs do, Jeff. They curated and cultivated a dream. They vetted it against God and good people. They sought counsel and found wisdom in its abundance. They invented it once on paper and then finally invented it a second time in reality. They found funding. They found many of them space. Um, they hired a staff, produced something that was bringing value to the community and expressing not only vocation, but a dream. And then all at once on a dime, their work stopped. And many lack the, the, um, 
resource depth to be able to hold out. Hopefully the, the PPP loan uh, has come through, but that's a, that's a stopgap. And so with the loss of work for, for some is the loss of, of a dream, the loss of life savings, the loss of the, the dignity of being able to employ others. Um, and, and that's catastrophic. Yeah. How do you see, um, where is it, Jesus in that loss? It's, yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. And that is the reality of where I spend a lot of my time with business owners and there's been a lot of pain. I mean, economic carnage, that's not an overstatement right now of all the people who's lost dreams. You know, we just did a little, um, a little podcast episode on our podcast on the faith and work podcast on lament. And I think we've lost the opportunity to really lament and, and lamentations, the book of lamentations, it doesn't have real tight, like it's all going to end out up. You can trust yourself to a God is more powerful, but you really wail. (laughs) There's a lot of wailing. And I think there is very first, there is an opportunity for the body of Christ actually to lament. I think there is an important thing that we need to do that and not think that, you know, solutions are easy because almost every owner entrepreneur that I know of, like they've done the three contingency plans. We don't know which one we're going to use and all of them may be useless. So I think that's the first thing, but I would say the second thing after that lamentations is, is really sermon in the Mount. God knows what you need. If he cares for the lilies of the field, he will most definitely care for you. It is throwing yourself at his feet and saying, God, I thought I had maybe more power than I, than I really do. I trust myself to your power in this moment, and I'm going to offer uh, all of my heart and my business and the future to you. So I think it's that kind of deep sense of trust. And then the third thing I would say to you is agency, Christian vocation really, and Chris, who was on your you know former podcast, he really helped me with this. Whether you're talking to an entrepreneur in Africa or somebody here, you have to take a look at what's in your hand. What has God put in my hand right now? We have all been, I think, understanding that a lot has been taken out of my hand, right? And maybe even the things that we were grasping onto tightly in our hand has been sort of pried open. And that's been a very, very painful process, right? But then I think God potentially can put other things in our hand that we would have not have seen uh, to be able to innovate and to think differently about what service looks like right now. And so I think we need to do all of those. I think we need to do the lament first, think we need to rest that God will care for us and then to say okay where am I what are the resources what is given to me right now to love God and to love my neighbor as myself and in that I think there's a lot of release of saying there are things outside of my control in our culture in this pandemic I have to completely release I just have to release those things I can't do anything about that but that's not to say I can't do anything I can do something and that's something has been given to us today by God to do. And that really, in my view, is the beauty of teachings of Christian vocation. Mm. Man, what a beautiful word. So encouraging, so true, so hopeful. This, Jeff, it occurs to me, is as valuable to those of us whose work is functionally unchanged, minus uh, a little bit of inconvenience, or maybe it's a little less fun, like like the, the context of my work and yours, um, and as it does to those whose work has been um, catastrophically um, altered or maybe ended altogether, in that it equips us. It equips us to speak truth and hope. When we don't know what to say, we tend to say either foolish things or nothing. And a lot of leadership is saying little and saying 
wisely. And you've, you've offered some really practical wisdom for us to talk with our neighbors, our friends, our family members, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are experiencing this crisis in an even more disastrous way than we are. And that is incredibly valuable and hopeful. There are so many more things that I would like to talk about and maybe we'll need to have a part two of this conversation because I believe we've only scratched the surface of the implications of the COVID era for our vocation. Um, But before I let you go and get back to the good work that you do, would you take just a minute first to do this, uh, offer us uh, a recommendation or two for any additional resourcing. You mentioned your podcast. Can you give us a plug for that? Where do we find it? And then what, what you're reading or what you'd recommend for people who want to dig a little deeper in the realm of understanding their vocation in light of the kingdom of God. Yeah, thanks for that. There's a few different resources. The Faith and Work podcast, you can just type it in, Faith and Work podcast in, in iTunes or Spotify or wherever. Uh, that's one resource if you want to listen. Uh, we have lots of short courses. Uh, you can go to denverinstitute.org and you can click on short courses. And we've got all of these in the call, the Faith and Work classroom. There's short videos, there's content, uh, there's audio. There's all sorts of things that you can do there as well. Um, and boy, if you want a bibliography, you should just uh, email us at hello at denverinstitute.org. We've got lots of books. There's a lot of good things to read, uh, uh, depending on which angle of this particular moment in your vocation you want to read about the history of vocation to spiritual formation to public engagement. So just email us and we'd be happy to send anything we can to uh, our brothers and sisters at Denver United. Okay, it's denverinstitute.org. Is that right? Denver Institute. Yeah, that's right. Denverinstitute.org is where where you can find all of those resources. That's right. Okay, go there. Find out all of the all of the uh, find out more about Jeff's work in Denver Institutes and find uh, a hub for all of the resources and uh, work that they're producing. And make sure to check out their podcast. Jeff, years ago you gave me uh, a gift the the book called Working, which is a classic um, by uh, probably long dead uh, man named Studs Terkel, and it, it, it's a it's a it's a mosaic of stories of America at work, and it's incredibly uh, encouraging, and especially at a time like now, to know that, among other things, nothing is new under the sun, and to find how people have found hope and meaning and, and um, resurrection from the ashes in their work. Um, uh, it, you can read it probably um, over the course of 30 or 40 years. Um, I think safely. It's incredibly long, but just you know, pick and choose. It's like it's like, yeah. it's like Reader's Digest. You just pick one little thing and read. Yeah. All right. Not the best we... place to start, but a good but a good book. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I so appreciated with the gift you highlighted. I don't know if you remember this, but you put little tabs in, and like here, read here, read here, read here, as if anticipating that that, that I mean, after I finish getting through like War and Peace, um, then I'll I'll jump to <laughs> knocking that one out cover to cover. But super helpful. Uh, uh, love your heart. Love your mind and love your uh, contributions to the kingdom of God in Denver and beyond. Jeff, thank you so much. Before I let you go, would you just pray a blessing over the Denver United family? Yeah. Yeah. Father, thanks for everybody that's listening to the podcast right now. Uh, They're probably at home or with family, but also struggling with some amount of uncertainty. It could be economic. It could be uh, even spiritual. I pray that you give our hearts great peace and calm that you were, you are, you are to come. You are ever present with us in uh, every single moment of the day. And I pray that you would comfort uh, people listening to this podcast today and that we'd have new opportunities to show your glory through our work. In your name we pray. 
Amen. Jeff Hainan, thank you so much, brother. Blessings to you, to your family, and to the Denver Institute team. Everybody, thank you for being with us today. May God continue to bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, and give you his peace. Um, And until next time, love you a lot. Thank you.